Hi everybody, Mike Wardrock from Encounter Church here, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. have a time of prayer at the end and you know it's exciting that God wants to work in our life but probably the number one thing people would ask me wherever I go is do you have a word from God for me do you have a word from God I just want a word from God well 100% accurate prophetic word tonight God's plan for your life is this go and make disciples and lo I am with you even to the end of the world that's God's plan But how do we do it? How do we go about that? I want to talk tonight on the topic, doing good. Doing good. You see, Acts tells us this. Oh, good, it's on there. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 tells us this. And no doubt you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Jesus went around doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the enemy for God was with him. How do we implement God's plan for our life? We start doing good. We just start doing good. You know, one in four Australians would come to church if someone asked them. One in four Australians would consider it. Two in four Australians would come to church if someone asked them. You know the problem? They're not getting asked. So we're going to practice. Would you just, here's, here's how you ask someone to come to church, all right? You ready for this? You can write it down. Would you like to come to church with me? Okay, give it a go. Tell someone next to you. Would you like to come to church with me? Go. (laughs) Would you like to come to church with me? You see, Alpha is about people exploring faith. And so, again, 49% of Australians say they never get to have a spiritual conversation. So all we do is invite them into a place where they can have some food, watch a talk and have some great conversations. And all you do is say, would you like to come to Alpha with me? Okay, let's try that now. Would you like to come to Alpha with me? Oh, that wasn't so noisy, people. (laughs) You know the best people to come to Alpha? the people the Holy Spirit wants you to invite. You see, if we talk about a clock face of faith, every time we invite someone or we give them a book or we share a podcast they might be interested in or we start praying for them, we are moving them around the clock face of faith. So when you invite someone to church, it's a win, even if they don't come. Because what you've done is you've told them that they're welcome. You told them that they can come. You told this is a possibility. And they're either going to say one of three things, no, and you go, no problems. I go all the time, I'll invite you again. <laughs> or they're going to say yes, and you're going to go, great. Shall I meet you there or pick you up? And they're going to say, or they're going to say, I don't know. And you go, okay. Happy to have any, answer any questions. Happy to chat to you about it. What we do is we're starting to move them around the clock face of faith. We're starting to go out and do good. God anointed. The almighty God, our creative God anointed. Everything that Jesus did and everything that we do is because of the anointing of God. 
But Psalm 139 says, Before you in your mother's womb, I knew you. I planned your days. God already has a plan for you. It says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth is kind of like Jesus' ordinary name. I was born in a place called Kalanga. So it would be like saying Melinda from Kalanga. Or my brother Grant was born in Mitchell Park. Grant from Mitchell Park. Or from Elizabeth. Or wherever it was. It's their ordinary name. It's the not fancy name. It's the name that's a little bit derogatory. God anoints our ordinary. He anoints who we are. I haven't really talked about it much, but when I was a baby, I, I don't know what, was, what, what the deal was, but my mother left a false name and gave me up and my father never put his name down. And I was adopted into a family, into a family that really, really wanted me and took me from Queensland to South Australia. So I came straight to the promised land and we came down to Adelaide to pastor a church And it was just always this story for me. And we didn't really talk about it, um, lots of reasons, mostly respected my parents and they wanted to protect the privacy and they never really thought of me as, you know, coming from anywhere else except their family. And I remember one of the first times I ever talked about it, I was up in the Congo-Rwanda border, as you are, and, um, you know, talking to a group of people at this hospital. And this hospital does more surgeries by women who've been ripped apart by rape and other things. than any other hospital. And the doctor there is probably one of the most godly men I've ever met. In fact, as an aside, I hadn't really met him before, didn't know anything about him, but I was in a car traveling from, from somewhere to his hospital with him and I just had a, a, um, a pro- prophetic word for him. And you know, you hope in those situations it's God, right? So I just shared with him about what God wanted him to do in terms of the politics of his country and, and we just kind of kept on moving. Um, and then I went to this hospital and he said, oh, I want you to come and talk to the women and children. And I'm walking over there thinking, what have I got to say to these people? Most of these kids have been rejected by the families because they're born out of rape by the other particular tribes. I thought, what have I got to say? So I remember just standing up and saying my story, you know, I was given up for adoption. Didn't have a father. Mother left a false name. She didn't want to be tracked down. Said, but God sent a family to adopt me. And I said, God wants to adopt us into his family. Shared a little bit more. And I remember as we're walking away, that doctor said to me, you know, they can't believe that things like that would happen in the West. They can't believe that you understand what it is to be rejected and the pain of all that. You see, God uses our ordinary and makes it extraordinary. We overcome by two things, the blood of the Lamb, the work of Jesus Christ already done, and the power of our testimony, the things that we go through that enable us to influence other people, that are able to say, hey, I got through that, you can too. So God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. He anoints who we are, where we come from, what our birth is. You know, some 139 people think they're a mistake. No, no, we're not mistakes. Because before we were in our mother's womb, God knew us. He had a plan for our day, a plan for our life. So God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, here's the thing, with the Holy Spirit and with power. Those two things go together. When we invite Jesus into our life, it's because of the Holy Spirit. He whispers, you need Jesus. And then Jesus had lived with his disciples for three years. He'd answered every question, actually read it. He answered practically no question. He just showed them how to live. 
And then he said, hey, listen, you've been with me. It's fantastic. You've done amazing things in my name. But I want you to wait before I unleash you on the world, before you go and make disciples. I want you to wait and I want you to pray, come Holy Spirit. They didn't know what that would mean. They didn't know what they would look like. They didn't know the adventure that would take them on. They didn't know that many of them would be martyred as a result of that prayer. Oh, that got scary, didn't it? We're praying, come Holy Spirit. And the next thing, oh, look, we're being crucified upside down. You see, following Jesus is not an easy, comfortable life. It's a significant one. It's an abundant life till it overflows. It's one of purpose. It's one of intention. It's one of significance. But it's not really easy. It's following his plan. God anointed of Jesus and Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Everything that Jesus did while here on earth happened because of the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit through him. He was fully man. He was limited to the same things that we are, yet without sin. So when he prayed for people, it was the power of the Holy Spirit working with him. So he said to his disciples, wait and pray, come Holy Spirit, because you need the power of the Holy Spirit in you to work through you. You need the constant filling of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Why do you think Jesus went away so much? You know, he wasn't waiting till he was sin free. He was already sin free when he started his ministry. But he would go away to pray all the time. Why? Because I need the power of the Holy Spirit. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. But it wasn't anointed so Jesus could sit. He wasn't anointed so Jesus could just have a lovely time discussing theological issues. If that was the case, he could have started when he was 12. Why was he anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power? God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Here's the thing. And Jesus went around. What's God's plan for your life? Start going around. Bible doesn't say the sittings of a good man are ordered by the Lord. It says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. We have to get stepping. We have to start going in the direction of God's plan. And then's what? He works with us. He works with us. He works with us. When I was 13 years old, I had a vision of myself preaching in Africa. Thought I was going to be a missionary. Told my parents they were so narrow. They said, you have to finish school first. Went to school, decided, what was I thinking? I want to make money. Went and, went and did some studies and, and, you know, felt God called me into youth ministry. When I first took on my uh, first, was youth pastor of this incredibly large youth group, there was sometimes seven, sometimes eight. And they said that I could be the youth leader while we waited for a real youth leader to come, you know, a male. And I just remember getting on my face and saying, God help, God help. God help. We saw in two years that, that group of seven or eight grow to 80. We saw hundreds of people come to faith. We just did really, really, really catchy things like went down and served coffee out the back of a van near the train station. We just went around praying for people. I had no clue what we were doing. We just did whatever God told us to do. See, God anoints our natural with his supernatural with his supernatural, but you've got to get going around. So Jesus went around. Here's the thing, most of you are too busy sitting. 
Who are you going around to? This week, who are we going around to? The people at the school, oh no, school's not on. The people um, at the shopping centre, the people at work. We start going around because we are here to be refreshed and anointed for tomorrow. Sunday is for Monday. All of the, just about all of the miracles, you can maybe, let's argue about a couple, but most of the miracles Jesus did happen in the marketplace. When he was going around, he walked past people and he saw them healed. What happened after the Holy Spirit and power came on Peter and John? They went to the same synagogue and walked past the same guy they'd walked past time after time after time. Only this time they said, silver and gold we don't have. Because we're authentic followers of Jesus. When everybody else put their money in, so did we. Silver and gold we don't have. But what we have, we give. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Do you know what we do? What we have, we give. What we have, we give. What we have, we give. We just pray for people with what we have. With what we have. I was buying shoes a while ago and kind of a long story, but basically there was 70% off, so it was important. And I was trying to pick what shoes to buy. And, you know, at the end of it, there was no one else in the shop. At the end of it, the salesperson and me, I was just chatting. And I was trying to think which pair of shoes to buy, which pair of shoes could I get past my husband. If I bought both, how much would I save? Like, my mind was filled with important stuff. And I asked this girl how she was to give me some time. And I don't know what she said, but it became obvious that things weren't great. You know, and I was busy thinking about shoes. So I just switched and said, oh, you know, I believe in God. Which is kind of my standard response. Never had anyone said, yeah, me too, isn't it great? (laughs) But you know, 70% of people that you know pray, God help me is the most common prayer. So I said, I believe in God and you know, I could pray for you. And she didn't say no. She might have nodded. It looked like something. So I just learned across the counter, always good to touch people. Touched her between her wrist and her, and just prayed for her. Keep my eyes open, because if she's pressing an alarm for security or something, better to know. <laughs> and I just prayed with her. I forget what I prayed, something. And just pray with her, and then at the end, said, in Jesus' name, amen. Because you see, we need to know this power in the name of Jesus. And then I said, amen, that's the end. And she sort of sniffled away, and I bought the boots and went on. Now, some of you are going to go, why didn't you lead her to Jesus? Why didn't you sprinkle her with the hose or push her under the water or whatever your theology is? I said, I'm just doing what I think God wants me to do. I'm a link in the chain that is bringing someone to faith. Okay, I don't have to do the whole thing. I was in Brisbane, so it's up to the Brisbane people. I can't even get there at the moment, I don't think. So someone else has to keep doing the work. You see, God is working through us. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus went around. He went to where people were. He went to the people that needed someone to sit next to them and say, could I have a drink of water? Jesus went around. Here's what he did. Doing good. Doing good. Do you know what doing good is? It's not a one size fits all. He didn't go to the woman that was feeling discouraged and oppressed and alone and say, come on, I'm going to your place for dinner. He asked, can I have a drink of water? He did good in the way that it applied to that person at that time. It's not a one size fits all. The Holy Spirit is going to help you have a custom made approach to each person doing good, doing good. How do we do good? We just go around and we follow 
the whisper of the Holy Spirit. We listen for the whisper. I told you I was up at, um, you know, Congo. I've gone to the Congo a lot. It's kind of a long story. But while I was up there, um, I travel with a policeman because it's not a part of the world you should go to. Not sure why I was there. And um, we're walking out of this restaurant bar, place where we got food. And as we're walking out, this guy comes running at me with a knife, which it doesn't happen that often. Comes running out with a knife and then he hits a wall and he just collapses. The policeman and the security guy at the restaurant, not one of them moved, they just watched. And I said to them, what happened? They said, oh, fell down. So they just dragged him over the side of the road and left him there. You know what I was reminded of? My protection isn't a policeman or a security guard. My protection is in God. It's in following the Holy Spirit. I've had times when I've been shot at and all sorts of things happen. But here's the thing. When you're doing good, God is with you. He's with you. He's with you. I remember being in um, the Congo and through a series of circumstances, we were going around looking at prisons and the president of the country wanted us to come. So we went and saw this guy and, you know, you kind of start with an official and you work up. And so I started with this one guy, this customs official, and, you know, I had 14 people, so he had 16 people. I had no guns. He had 14 guns. And we were just kind of in this in this room. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting place to be. There's an escape boat, um, you know, out on the Congo River, just in case. You know, and the dilemma is, do I escape with them or do I stay here? You know, the whole things that you don't really think about in other cultures. And as they're going on, I felt God say, you need to pray for him. Well, you pray for him. <laughs> Guns. <laughs> And I thought, God say, yeah, I'm going to pray for him through you. So I had a you know, good Congolese pastor there. And I said to him, Pastor Israel, will you pray? And um, so he prayed, which didn't help me at all because he prayed in French, Lingali. He prayed in something. I had no clue what he was praying. So anyway, at the end, I thought, okay. So I said to the guy, so can I pray for you? He said, yes. I said, so do you want, you know, we just kind of get on our knees and pray. The reason he gets on his knees and prays is it's very hard for him to hit me when he's down there. <laughs> Got to be practical. He's on his knees. We started to pray. And I just said to him, God brought me to this nation to raise you up. You're a Joseph and God is going to bless you. And said a whole lot of things about God was going to bless him with resources and abundance. He needed to be ready to manage those wells. A whole lot of stuff. Um, and then, you know, he sort of got up and I said, oh, great, do you know Jesus? Turns out he did, so that was handy. And so this is a person that's going to disciple you. And we shook hands and I gave him a reject shop Australian flag because why wouldn't you? And we went and saw other people and saw the president and saw some people. And that man, two weeks later, got a promotion from customs official to head of the resource committee for all the Congo. You know, the Congo has diamonds, coltane, you know amazing resources. He got this promotion totally unexpectedly. In fact, one of the times I was there, he offered me a $7 billion road building contract. Do I look like I build roads? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what the resources in the Congo are worth. I'm guessing a lot. You know, at various... And, and he 
therefore, it's quite easy for me to get into the Congo anytime. He's given us quite a few buildings to use for various meetings and, you know, all sorts of things. Done. He stops the plane if we're running late so that we can just wander on the plane whenever we want. He stops the roads when we're going down. You know, we don't want police escorts, so what he does is he blocks off all the roads so that we have no traffic. It's the most strange thing. I remember being in the Congo one night, coming home from a meeting, going, Pastor Israel, there's no, con there's no traffic in the Congo. It's the strangest thing. As someone told me after, it's because it's all blocked up on every side road. What am I saying? God knows where people are. And he's interested in getting his message to them, but he uses us to do it. But we have to be going around. We have to take the steps of obedience that lead us there. Trust me, there was a lot of steps of obedience that got me to the Congo. But now you have influence on someone's life, unless he's dead. Because people get shot over there all the time. God leads us to people for a purpose. Do you know what happens? We get scared to share what the Holy Spirit's whispering to us in case we get it wrong or they make we look silly. They miss out on hearing from a living God. You see, that guy realised that it was God that appointed him. It was God that positioned him. I mean, he's given us so many buildings to use for business integrity governments. He's given us so many things. Why? Because we shared what God wanted us to. You don't start with prophesying. Oh, maybe you do, but I don't start with prophesying over some guy over there. You start with sharing with your neighbour. You start with talking to the person you're buying shoes from. You start with talking to the people around you. You start by sharing what you think God's got on your heart and how do you test it? Does it lift up Jesus? Is it according to the word? Is there a peace in my heart? And then you just share it because we're interested in going around doing good because what did Jesus do as he did good? Not one size fits all. Come down. I'm going to your place for dinner, healing, water, it was very, very different to each person. But here's what was the same. And healing all who were oppressed by the enemy. Do you know God's plan for your life is that you're a part of his plan of healing, of bringing healing, of bringing hope to people wherever they are. We are carriers of hope. We are carriers of the hope that lives within us. You know, my dad's 87. And, oh, you know, what sort of ministry can he do? Well, he goes walking. So he goes prayer walking. I was, I just bit of a walk around your neighbourhood. You know, what a great place to pray and walk. God, we just pray for the people in these houses. We just pray that they'll come to know you. We just pray that they'll see past these gates and escape and come to church. And so he was prayer walking. He met a guy who basically let some doves go. It's kind of a long story, but what happened was this. This, young, this guy who's got a business letting doves go at, at, at weddings and funerals, turns out my dad started chatting to him over a period of time, just walking past, hi, how's the doves? Good, how are you? How's the lake where they walk? Great. You know, really important conversation. And one day as they're chatting, my dad says, oh, you want to come and, you know, come to my house and up the hill and you can see the doves better. And so he did and, you know, the next time dad said, do you want to come up and watch a movie? Guy goes, okay. My dad's never watched a movie in his life. He meant Alpha. <laughs> so the guy is sitting there with his saladas and his cheese and they watch Who is Jesus? Really fancy stuff. Do you know what happened? That guy said, actually, my grandfather was an evangelist going around and he planted churches and he did all that because I think he might have been glad that I was here today hearing this. 
You see, God is at work in people's life and we get to connect. That man's now come to the Lord, his whole family. And you know, that family is amazed that God would use someone walking past to help him come to faith. God uses our ordinary. Healing all who are oppressed by the devil. You know why? For God was with him. For God was with him. Here's the thing. God is with us. God is with you. What we're doing, it's not because we're so amazing. It's just because God is with us. God is with us. There are times in my life where I've seen the power of God. And there are times when I'm just kind of doing it anyway. There are times when I'm praying for people and I can sense the presence of God. But there's lots of times when I'm a shop, when I'm an aeroplane. Somehow I seem to be praying in a lot of Ubers lately. Because, you know, I get lost, so Uber's easier. Wherever I go, praying. Because people are searching. They're searching. They're searching for God. One of the things COVID has taught us is we're not in control. So we have to be around, watching out and doing good. For God is with us. God is with us. I first went to Africa because, you know, I felt God speak to me about getting involved with prisoners in Nigeria. Sometimes you think, where does that come from? Well, it's either from the Holy Spirit or the other source. One will destroy you, one's giving you life. And so I started to go on a journey. I got it confirmed. I looked into it. Stewardship, started praying for Nigeria. Found someone um, who was, who'd been in prisons in Nigeria, was willing to put cell Bibles, correspondence studies. You know, it was all going to be exciting. I just raised some money and he did all the work. It was perfect for me. Told the church. We'd all got really excited. You know, we're going to get involved with prisons in Nigeria. None of us ever knew where Nigeria was. It's kind of in the middle there somewhere. Um, and, you know, prisoners, we didn't plan to ever go to prison ourselves, but it's very nice for those people over there to get Bibles. Halfway through, this guy sent me a letter saying, hey, I hadn't a note, email, whatever it was. I haven't talked to my board about it. We've got hurt in church work before. And so we're not going to work with you. And I was so angry. What do you mean? I'm not going to let him down and da-da-da-da. You know, Moses said, let's talk about this tomorrow. So I just spent a night coming down and going, you know, okay, God, what do you want to do? And I felt the Holy Spirit say, sorry, that was a hint for church leaders. You know when people come at you with things? Moses said, we'll talk about this tomorrow, was a principle. Moses didn't actually talk to me, just in case you're stressed about that. That's a bit weird. <laughs> as opposed to going to prisoners in Nigeria. <laughs> so I just sort of thought about it, and I felt the Holy Spirit whisper this, you should go. I didn't even know where Nigeria was. So I was going to be preaching at a conference in Denmark, and it was about this far away. So I thought, okay, while I'm in Denmark, I'll pop on down to Nigeria. That's how clueless I was. So, you know, got down to Nigeria, kind of went through the whole thing, you know, ended up going through the airport, ended up flying to a place called Benin City, ended up with a prison um, chaplain, you know, who'd never been on a plane in his life. And here's this woman from Australia or Austria. They're not quite sure which, and it doesn't really matter. So sometimes I'm from Austria and, you know, sort of got the lead in housing, and sometimes from Australia I'm doing kangaroo hops. I just go with it. Um, and we, we meet the Muslim who's the chief of prisons and he said, I'm sent from God so I can go into any prison I want to. So we're kind of on this whole story. So, you know, I thought, well, I don't want to go into prisons. Ended up going to prison. God arrested my heart. So I came back and sent an email to people and said, hey, 
we would really like to have a printing press. If you've got a spare one, wouldn't it be good? We could ship it to Nigeria. We could start printing our own Bible correspondence studies. I contacted someone else who was been a missionary in Africa and they had correspondence studies and so I thought I'd use those. Um, and they said we could. And surprisingly, someone from New South Wales who had a printing press and wasn't using it, wasn't a Christian but thought it was a good idea. Um, so they donated a printing press. We shipped it to Nigeria. We did a prefab thing. So it's the only building with Australian plugs in it. <laughs> because, of course, they need Aussie plugs. How else are they going to use their printing press? And so we've now trained hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pastors um, in Nigeria. You know, who are we? Well, it's kind of me and a couple of emails and Artie over there. You see, you don't need a lot of people to make things happen. You just need the Holy Spirit. So I was there the second time I was there, third time I was there, sometime I was there. We were travelling on this road and we are visiting prisons and it was a bit tough. Had a policeman with us and, you know, it, it's, it's not easy being a white woman, you know, in a country where there aren't many women um, that are white. And so we're driving down there. We come to this one particular prison. It's a medium security prison, right? So that means that these four and a half thousand guys are allowed out during the day into this compound. And... Um, that was interesting information. We met the, the guy who was in charge of the prison. He didn't like me. I didn't like him. It was mutual. Um, but he was told by the head of prisons in Nigeria that Melinda can go into any prison she wants because she's sent from God. Like that's what it says on the little letter. Women aren't allowed into prisons, but Melinda is sent from God so she can. Okay, that's all it takes. If I'd known, I would have just printed my own letter. <laughs> So we, we go there and he said, the only stipulation is you can't take your policeman. I've got a policeman that travels with me. You can't take your policeman. So I'm ready to step over this door into this prison. And I've got Artie there. And I go, how's this going to be? You know, he goes, oh, God will protect us. So it's easy for you to say, Artie, you're not a female. And my policeman was crying. He said, don't go in there, Mama. I can't come and get you. You know, I can't protect you in there. Please don't go. Please don't go. Which, you know, I, I generally listen to someone who's a gun pulling on my, with a gun pulling on my arm saying, don't do this. But I just sensed it was a God thing. You see, Emmanuel, God is with us. So we walked into this prison and this big Nigerian guy, I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe 6'6", six, six, um, in, a, in a Nigerian, you know, sort of, dress um just started walking beside me and you know I just sort of look over and nod and he'd look after and over and nod and he wasn't close enough to chat to but he wasn't far enough away to feel strange it was just it was just appropriate distance and so he nodded I nodded we walk in there we go to this place of assembly let me tell you people assembled it was a riot we had prisoners coming from everywhere and then we had guards running from everywhere and you know it was it was chaotic and we preached and, you know, did some stuff. And, you know, I, there was a guy in the crowd that I felt God wanted me to go and speak to. I spoke to him. Turns out that he was falsely accused, had been in prison. It was kind of a long story, but basically God knew where he was. And so me going up and speaking to him made the, 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 the commander of the prison and the press think that there was Western awareness of him. No, it was just me. So he, he'd been pardoned, but he'd still been in there for two years after his pardon, even though he was falsely accused and it was retracted. So he got released the next day. So that was a bonus. So we're walking out of the prison and um, 
you know, I got a bit annoyed and just shook the dust off my feet and, you know, prayed against the commander who lost his job in the next week, which really helped my prison chaplain realise he should listen to me, which was nice. <laughs> and I said to Artie, that was so good. You know, I was so grateful for that guy walking next to us. You know, I just, you know, it's just, it's just good to have a guard. I just feel a bit better. And he goes, what guard? What guy? And I go, the guy, and I described him, the outfit he had on, brown, da-da-da-da. He goes, there wasn't a guy there. I go, Adi, there was a guy there. There was a guy there. You see, he didn't see him. I saw him. What was God showing me? I'm Emmanuel. I'm God with you. If I want to send an angel, who knew that angels look like Nigerian men? (laughs) Who knew? I don't know if it was angel or not. I don't know. But what I do know is this. God is with us. God is with us. If you want to see God at work, start stepping out. Start stepping out. We're going to ask the band to come. We're going to pray for people in a moment. I want to pray for a couple of groups of people tonight. One of them is there's people that you've had dreams and visions on your heart and you've thought they weren't going to happen. I was 13 when I had a vision to go to Africa. I was 39 when I went. 13, I was ready to go. At 39, I did not want to be there. You see, God has a plan and a season for everything. And we just have to trust him. We just have to trust him. He's bringing back to your remembrance visions and dreams. You want to pray for people who say, I want to go wherever God wants me to go. I remember being the first time I was in India, preaching in front of an open sewer. And I felt God say, go and pray for this woman with stuff all over her, you know, anyway, whatever, revolting. She was not revolting, but the... The stuff over her body was. But the Holy Spirit say, go and pray for her. I'm not praying for her. No, no, no. It's bad enough I'm standing in front of sewage. I'm not going to pray for her. You know, stop arguing with the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm going to pray for her through you. <laughs> I said, okay, if I pray for her, can I go home? Can I never come back here again, please? I went over. I've got an arm and a finger. So I went like this <laughs> to pray for this lady. As I got closer, I realised, what am I doing? So I just hugged her. She cried. I cried. We had stuff everywhere. And I realised that we are fundamentally called to go around doing good and being moved with Jesus' compassion. That when we're hugging someone, when we're praying for someone, when we're talking to someone, we are the arms of Jesus. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is working with us with His power. So if you just feel a stirring tonight that God wants to start opening your eyes to the people around you, we're going to pray for you tonight. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you are able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We would love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to financially support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.